you have an inner child that you're tending to. And I, I know it's kind of funny to say that because it's all of us, but really, I truly believe that there's so much healing available um, in all of us grownups when we're able to um, look back at how we might have been as a child and how our blueprints um, might have shown up for our parents. And it just brings so much compassion and, and healing when we can come at it from this angle and it's never too late to heal. So I'm Ana Zaharia, um, CCO for Astrology Hub and your host. And I'm here today with Achuta Bhava. Achuta, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm really, I am excited to talk about this. This is a subject that's also really dear to me with a, a couple of little ones, you know, and, and being an astrologer before I had little ones and then learning how to be an astrologer with little ones, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Of course, I was particularly excited to reach out to you because you're both an astrologer and a father. And I'm just so excited to hear how those have come together for you personally and also how you bring it into your practice. So today we're specifically talking about, I'm loosely calling it the do's and don'ts of looking at your child's chart, but there's so many juicy places that we're going to go with that. And it's a very rich topic. Um, but I'd like to start with just an introduction of Achuta. Um, and I want to read a little bit from your bio. You say, like many of you, my journey began with a desire for deeper meaning. What started as a personal quest for self acceptance, inner awareness, and spiritual understanding has evolved into a platform that seeks to inspire the spiritual lives and practices of others through astrology. Ajita Bhava is an astrologer, author, and yoga instructor, endlessly fascinated by the relation between astrology and spirituality by blending an ancient and modern approaches to astrology. Alongside a committed spiritual practice, he helps people like you Deepen your understanding of life, self, divinity, and destiny within the context of everyday life. I mean, every single cell sings in my body when I read your bio because I can relate to so much of it and it speaks so closely to the mission of our show here. And my big question for you is how does this fit into being a father? Yeah. Well, thank you for that really nice introduction. And yeah, I feel the same way about you guys. You know, you guys are so dedicated to serving other people with astrology and you're always interested in in how astrology can be used to heal. And so, yeah, it's uh, kindred spirits, as my mom loved to say, she'd always use that phrase. Yeah. And in terms of being a dad, you know, as an astrologer, I was practicing five years full-time, like that was my full-time gig for five years when my first daughter, Gigi, was born. And then my other daughter, Summer, um, was born in 2018. So 2015 and 2018. Um, and it really, you know, I think everyone grows a lot or a lot of people do from being becoming a parent. So I'm certainly not unique in that respect, but being a parent and being an astrologer at the same time, I think I was reminded, like you said in the introduction, just how vulnerable we are, you know, each of us, um, we come into this world, we have, there's stuff that we have on board. Like I'll never forget when my daughter Summer, uh, uh, Gigi was born and I was holding her and I was looking into her eyes, you know, and I was like, holy cow, like you're, you've got like a whole program you're running. Like you, you, there's like, it's not like tabula rasa, like you're just a blank slate. 
like, no, you've got like, you've, you've brought stuff with like, you've got a full personality on board. I can see it. I can feel it. And, um, but I also could feel that you're also really moldable too. It's both, you know, we're, we're, so that whole question about fate and free will changed like instantly as I was holding my daughter, it had been a big debate in my head. And all of a sudden it wasn't, it was just, yeah, it's a little bit of both. Like we're shaped by the environment. We have choice that shapes us, but we also come in with stuff at the same time. And I just like saw that in my daughter and I felt like in a weird way from that moment on, I, I felt like every client that I ever saw, I just saw and, and held the space differently because of that, you know? The same thing for my second daughter when she came, like the exact same experience, basically. Wow, that's so profound. Thank you so much for sharing that story. And I, I will say, you know, I had a similar experience when I had my son. It was a 36-hour labor. I was at home. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And finally, when he came out, it was like there was no way for me to know what it was going to be like, you know, when I first met him. And I just there was just this stillness and I was just looking at him, just asking like who he is, like welcoming him into the world and just feeling that he is his own being that just journeyed here and has, has so much already. Mm-hmm. You know, it was this like, whoa, this vastness that just came in and let me get acquainted with you. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, totally. Um, I, I can relate. And I'm also deeply touched by your story. Um, I just want to share with all of you um, that are tuning in, if you do want to learn more about Ajuta's journey outside of being a father and, and how he's gotten to this place, we have featured him before on the Astrology Hub podcast, and you can tune into episode 50. I'm pretty sure that's correct. And that's just the regular Astrology Hub podcast. You can find it on your podcast player. So as we mentioned today, we're speaking about the do's and don'ts of looking at your child's chart. So my first question is, why are you particularly excited to speak about this? Well, you know, I, I had, first of all, just because I absolutely love, I mean, it's a, it's a weird thing. Most of my practice is consists of talking to people about their adult, like call them adulting concerns, you know, like money and marriage and like all sorts of stuff that we all have our anxieties about and astrology can help us with, but easily my favorite thing to do, which I don't do all that often, but it does come across, you know, a number of times, like maybe once a month or something like that. Um, I'll see someone who's had a a baby or has a, a child that's really young and they want some parenting advice. or they want me to take a look at the chart. That's become one of my favorite things. But also I think one of the reasons that I'm excited to talk about this is because of a practice that I recommend to people. I don't think it's like, um, it's not a prescription, but I took a year before I looked at either of my kids' birth charts. Like I, I decided this was just a decision for myself, but I love talking about it with people because I think it can be helpful for astrological aficionados. I, I took a year before I looked at my daughter Gigi's chart, I took a full year just to get to know her without a birth chart. And then I did the same thing for my daughter Summer. So I had not, I, I, I mean, it's hard as an astrologer, like I knew where the moon was, I knew where the sun was, you know, like I knew certain, I knew where certain planets were when they were born, because I'm tracking them every day, but I did not look at their charts for a year just to get to know them. And I've 
talked a lot about that with people and why I think that might be a recommended practice for those of us who have children who are also really into astrology. So that's one reason that I think I love this topic because I've, I, I've had a really unique approach to building my relationship with my kids' birth charts. And can we take a step back even further for any astrology, like totally newbies that are just parents excited to explore the topic, but they haven't really been versed in our lingo. What does looking at your child's chart even mean? Right. So you have uh, the time, the date, and the location of birth that is that that constructs or gives us the birth chart. And the birth chart is going to be a picture of the child's inborn psychological nature, some of those constitutional traits that we all come in with, as well as some of the karmic lessons and destiny path that that we are each here to experience. And the chart gives us a look at all of that. So when an astrologer is looking at your birth chart, they're looking at the position of the heavens at the moment of your birth. And of course, for parents, even in the ancient world, the, the primary use of astrology in the ancient world, in fact, was not as much about a person as an adult going to an astrologer as much as it was about um, people taking the data of their child to the astrologer to know what what kind of destiny the child would have. So it's very common in India still today when the child is born to go and see an astrologer and see okay, what's this, what's this soul like? What are they carrying with them? What can I do to be a good parent? What's their destiny, et cetera. So that's kind of, you know, why, why we use birth charts um, with, with children. And eventually, you know, the child grows up, they can go see an astrologer and look at their own birth chart and get more information at different stages of life as well. And what would you, do you know what trajectory, um, like you brought up India and the fact that they still do that today, how does that determine the trajectory? Like, are there certain key things that they're looking for? And how does that determine the path that the parent takes after that? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's um, in some ways going to vary um, from astrologer to astrologer because the astrologer is essentially going to take the um, the astrological signatures and knowing what we know about them psychologically and so forth, going to give advice about okay, you know, here's a, here's the personality type, right? So feed this aspect of their character and maybe be careful of this aspect of their character. And that kind of very practical advice about our, our inborn psychological traits that can help guide us. And I think the most practical way that you'll see astrologers throughout all of history giving parents advice is mostly psychological. It's like, okay, you know, your kid's really watery or your kid's very fiery or you know, something like that. And, and then also, you know, periods where, you know, it, it can be very helpful as a parent to know um, if, if there's a, if there's a little bit of a rough patch, right? Like I, I talk with parents all the time, did a reading not just a week or two ago for a mother and a daughter that came in together and they're using astrology to understand some of what she's going through in high school right now. You know, so you can get a lot of different kinds of insight into the different seasons of life and how to walk through those seasons, um, you know, in the best way possible. Hmm. So how long do you advise that parents wait to look at their charts? You said you waited a year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's different for everyone. Like I don't want to be prescriptive about it. One of the reasons that I waited a year with both of my 
kids is that it's harder as an astrologer to be objective about yourself or the people very close to you when you're looking at their charts. Like for me anyway, that's when I can go from a centered place, which I'm pretty good at holding for other people, you know, reading things in a balanced way, not not letting my clients' fears or anxieties or attachments really dominate the way that I'm seeing the symbols. But it's really a lot harder for me to do that as a parent or for my own chart or for my wife's chart or whatever the case might be. And yet at the same time, it's not like I'm just not going to look at them at all. So it's kind of like um, I have to be careful. I, I've just learned over time I have to be very careful with how much I look at, at things that are very close to me where it's going to be harder for me to be objective and and and, and kind of mindful. Um, I, I think that that's one reason if you're, there's two different kinds of people who might be looking for a chart reading for a child. One is going to be someone who is not really into astrology, in which case I don't really think it matters so much when you do the reading. I, I feel like, you know, if you have a good astrologer who can help you, whether the child is a newborn or three years old or, you know, whatever age, if you're not into astrology so much, a competent astrologer could really help you at any point in time. I, I feel like there's, it, it's, it's less likely that your your relationship is going to be kind of conflicted by what you see in the chart if you're not into astrology all the time. But if you are, if you're someone who likes astrology, you kind of know the lingo, you practice, you study, you watch stuff on YouTube, you know, you're kind of in the astrological soup, then I, I which I am, I feel like taking a year um, or some amount of time to just experience your child before getting into their chart is a really good idea because you don't want you don't want to objectify your child through the symbols. The symbols are meant to enhance our, our soul to soul connection and they can objectify. We can objectify one another through them. Sort of the same rule for dating in a way. Like I, as an astrologer, when I met my wife, you know, it was like, I just didn't want to look at her chart for a while. You know what I mean? Like I just wanted to get to know her and, and not have those symbols coloring my anxieties or attachments or whatever. So that's kind of why I recommend waiting a year before you look at your kid's chart if you're someone who's in the soup of astrology all the time yeah i i get that um and i'm curious about your experience of your intuitive experience of your daughter and then once you came to the chart and also how you see this on a larger scale with your clients are you finding that there's a lot of confirmation of the intuition before the data is there Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I, um, I was really surprised by my first daughter, Gigi's chart. Like when I looked at it after a year of knowing her, there were a lot of things that I was like, huh, you know, I had kind of purposely forgotten what was going on when she was born. Cause some of it I knew on the night she was born, like because I had written horoscopes that day or whatever, but I knew but I had kind of forgotten and where they ended up in, in which houses and everything like that. And I was, I, I remember being surprised. And I think that that was, it was confirmation for me that um, the symbols speak in ways that are, um, they, they are, the, the symbols are surprising to us. Like there, there were certain things that confirmed my intuition, right? Like I, what I, I really wasn't spending a lot of time trying to guess or, or think in advance of what her chart might say. But when I did see it, I was kind of like, yeah, there were some things that were really confirmed. For example, she has a Sagittarius sun. 
And I knew she had a Sagittarius sun, but when I saw that, um, like where it was and kind of its context in the chart, I was like, oh, that's so fitting, you know, like it totally makes sense. And, and so, um, but then there were other things that really surprised me, like her Mars and Venus placements really surprised me. I'd forgotten, um, she had Venus and Scorpio, you know, and I just like completely forgotten that. And I saw like, there were just traits of her personality that I, I, it was kind of like getting to know some of the signs and archetypes brand new. Like I hadn't, like in some ways I felt like I hadn't really understood them because I had spent time around her for a year and gotten to know some of those traits um, without really placing them in astrological terms. So there was a lot of surprise in that way too. Yes. Yes. Huge. Yes. I've actually discussed this on the show a couple of times already, how I've learned so much astrology through knowing my son through getting to know my son and raising him and how much it's just blown out my understanding of different placements and the different archetypes and it's just taught me so much I mean aside from what it's taught me as a parent but just about astrology itself Mm -hmm. um super cool um so what are some constructive ways that we can use the chart to support um all our children's development Yeah. I mean, for me, having an understanding of the sun, the moon, and the rising sign and their their interaction in the chart, as simple as it is, that's what I do for parents. Like when I when I sit down with parents, once kids, by the way, once they for me, once they're like teenagers, like let's say, I don't know, high school onward, I typically ask a parent like if they have permission from their child, because I never want, God forbid, but some parents do this where they'll use they'll get a chart reading for their child and then it it can become weaponized. Like you never want astrology to end up in a parent saying, well, I, you're like this, you know what I mean? Because I talked to you, an astrologer about you. It would kind of be like if we started going to, you know, it's like, it's like taking the, it's like taking the kid to a therapy session that they're not, they're not actually going to be there for or something. It's, it's, it's like weird once they get to a certain age. So I always ask parents if they have permission, like if the kids are like in their teenage years, Um, but for me, um, if the child is younger, then the sun, moon and rising is the way to go. And I look at the rising sign in ancient astrology is a little different than modern astrology where, you know, sometimes in modern astrology, like your sun sign might really be indicative of your character, but in ancient astrology, you know, your ascendant would be. So I, I tend to read the ascendant planets in the ascendant, the ruler of the ascendant, the sign on the ascendant the element, the mode, all of those things to get an understanding of the the child's basic personality and and, uh, understanding which kind of planets you're going to see really imbued within the child's character. And and then giving parents kind of like a walking tour of what that, the archetypal dimension of that planet, like what is it like to have a child who's Mars, who's like really Mars-like or Saturn-like or whatever the case might be, Venus. Um, And then I think if you understand the character, then you also want to look at the sun for the sense of action or the, you could almost say like, I I say this all the time to my students, that the sun is like the plot line of your life in ancient astrology. So what does the plot line look like? What is the course of action going to be in their life? And then the moon for environmental factors. How does the environment jive with, harmonize, or conflict with the intended 
direction that this soul wants to take? What's the dialogue between plot and environment? And then how does character come into that? And if you look at those things in even just the most simple ways, you give parents a sense of what the soul is trying to accomplish, what their character is, and also with the environment, what kind of role the parents might be playing in the chart. All of those things, you know, within say an hour can just give you so much helpful information um, that I think more than anything, it gives you the sense as a parent that, okay, like I play a role in this and it's helpful to know kind of what, what the child, who the child is and what they're trying to do. But it's also not all up to me. I don't have to, I don't have to carry the weight of like making sure that everything goes completely right for them or thinking that it's all my fault. Or I think a lot of the things that I get from my parents when I, when I, for parents that are clients that I read for, they're going to say at the end, if, you know, they get something out of it, usually they say something like, I feel so relieved to know that there's this kind of divine architecture behind their life. I play a role, but I'm not like, it's not all, I'm not going to fail if it all goes, you know what I mean? Like, it's not up to me to make it go right or wrong. Right. That's so huge. Yeah. Just letting (laughs) both informing parents and then letting them off the hook. um, Both such powerful tools. I'm wondering, are you open to maybe us doing like a little example? Oh, sure. Um, Sure. Like my son, he has a cancer son and he's a Scorpio rising um, with a Virgo moon. So if I was coming to you, my son's five, five and a half. Um, what are some of like the key things you'd want to share with me or you'd want to ask me? Sure. Um, let me, um, let me just, I'm just going to like kind of put a wheel up in front of me so I can just kind of see, um, what this might look like. So tell me again, what is his rising sign? Scorpio rising. Okay. We're going to put a Scorpio on the ascendant. Okay. And then sun was what sign? Cancer. Cancer. Right. So we're going to put Cancer Sun. And um, if you want to look at a date, you could look at July 20th, 2015. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that'll be good. I'll just do, I'll just throw that up. Here we go. And July 20th, 2015. Is that what you said? Yes. Okay. And uh, can you give me like an approximate time? Um, 2 p.m. Okay, thanks. And uh, let's see. Okay, we'll just do this. All right, cool. So we have Scorpio rising, moon in Virgo, sun in Cancer. Do I have that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you're, if I'm looking at this chart, right, and I'm going to keep out details. I'll just keep it down to the sun, moon, rising, because there's other details that would be important, but I'll just simplify it. Um, so, you know, you're going to, first of all, like a school, what's a Scorpio child-like, like character-wise. And you're going to look at planets that were in Scorpio at that time. And you're also going to look at the position of Mars and, and get those factors. So let's just simplify it down to Mars. Well, Mars means that someone's going to, the, the personality is going to be deep, penetrating. Um, there's going to be the need to, um, there's like an incisive intellectual quality to Scorpios or the desire to get underneath the surface of things sometimes more private or guarded, also very protective and good in 
crisis or good in intense emotional situations, good at holding things down in those kinds of situations. So those are a few kinds of immediate things that you can get from Scorpio. You want to look more specifically, say, at the the placements of planets in the first house at that time or the actual position of Mars. For example, at that time, Mars was actually in Cancer in the ninth house. Mm -hmm. So certainly all of those energies that I just described will be really focused or concentrated on ninth house topics, religion, higher education, the mind. So you have, he has a, a deep penetrating, but emotionally intelligent um, uh, disposition that will be invested in, in the topics of the higher mind. Like and you just get that feeling for him right away. That's where his son is too. His son is in cancer in the ninth house as well. So then you get the feeling that not only the personality, but the life path itself will be in these things. So he's going to be like his mom, right? <laughs> so, and this is, a, you know, it makes sense to the sun in cancer, the moon sign. And then you get the feeling of the environment and the environment, the moon in Virgo in the 11th house. Um, the environment will have to do with communities of people, groups, and the environment will have to do with Venus there as well. In, in both in an earth sign at the time that he was born. So, you know, there's a real sensitive or creative or feminine um, or earthy orientation that's very social and group oriented. And those kinds of things will be the environment. And luckily the environment, the moon in Virgo is in a sextile with the sun and, and Mars, the ascendant ruler, which means there's real harmony between the kinds of groups that will be there and will be supportive of him. And, say, the uh, path of higher knowledge and truth and, and seeking that uh, he'll want to do. So those things come together really nicely. Now, if you wanted to say, okay, so you get a picture of that, that immediately as a parent, you can feel like whether that resonates or not. So usually kind of I'll, I'll ask, does that fit? You know, does that sound like your son or whatever? And depends on how old your, your child is, of course, but, you know, you can usually feel it, um, if that, if, and it oftentimes, of course, the moon will be the part that mirrors the kind of environment that we're creating. Mm -hmm. and, and this is so tied into you and the work that you're doing, of course, because both his ascendant ruler and his son, personality and life path, are in the sign of the moon, the mother, in the ninth house of things like astrology and mysticism. And then the moon itself is in the 11th house of groups along with Venus. So the, the, the rich... Um, intellectual and feminine dimension of community and the higher mind that's going to, he's going to take a lot from you. Hmm. So that's a simple, I could just a little simple impression that I get. Yeah. Just, just a tiny little snapshot. I mean, that that's wonderful. Thank you so much for being willing to do that. And mm -hmm. I hope that that was helpful for those listening too, just to see the kinds of um, things that you could get just from those placements and how helpful that can be. I, I've relied on those placements heavily myself, just as I'm making decisions for him. And just to share a personal application, um, his moon in the 11th was a very key factor in my decision when he first started preschool to take him to the forest school. Nice. And it was just mind-blowing how much he blossomed and how much of himself came out that I hadn't really ever seen before mm -hmm. once we made that transition and how much 
that's um, steered how how he shows up in the world now and just how he relates to nature and how he relates to his body and just how adventurous he is with his body and you know really bringing in that like Scorpio like really pushing and pushing but it, it was it was that decision you know to create that environment that kind of opened up the whole thing mm. um and just anecdotally my son is in the ninth as well so it's fun to see that we have that right mirrored um placement there so um now to back it up a little bit what are some things we should steer clear of when we're looking at our children's charts yeah so in every astro astrological school is a little bit different you know so a modern evolutionary astrologer is going to read the chart a little bit different say placing an emphasis on the nodes of the moon in a particular way and and you know a hellenistic astrologer will read things a little differently i think regardless of what type of astrology you practice and if you're new don't feel like you need to make that decision right now a lot of the times that's something that just comes you figure those things out after a while if, if you're new to astrology which school is which and blah 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 but i think the thing we steer away from is anything that becomes more deterministic i'm not uh opposed to giving parents information about things that are already relevant for example i had a good friend of mine um actually uh, friends i should say who um you know he and his wife they're pregnant and they have a um their child was um premature and was really struggling like health-wise in the very beginning and so they just asked, like, can you can you see if there's a, a transit like immediately happening or something like that, and like when it's going to lift, and and if it looks like um, we're gonna you know kind of get through this, and you know immediately in that situation I have to go well like are you know are you if I see like it looks like it's going to get worse or become even more difficult is that something you really want to hear right now? I have to ask that right, and then they yes, no, we really, we really do want to know, like, just give us a sense. So in that case, in certain cases like that, there might be a reason to look at something that is more concrete or deterministic, you know, pr predictive wise, like I was able to predict down to the day that they would go home from the hospital using a technique called zodiacal releasing. And, um, and they were, went home and they were okay. It's very rare that that kind of thing comes up. Um, so generally speaking, if parents ask for specific predictions, like I won't give them I'll, I'll, for young children, I want to stick to, let's just get to know this soul. Like, you know, life comes, we all have karma. Like, you know, it's better not to try to let your relationship be clouded by anxiety about their future. So I'm really careful about that. The child's a little bit older, or if there's something specific going on and the parents want a timeline about something difficult that's happening, I don't mind doing that. But I think the big don't or the big beware is to either ask for or give really concrete, um, predictive information that will produce anxiety and cloud the relationship. What a child really needs is for their parent to care more about their being than their future, you know? Yes. And absolutely. It's, it's such a great point that you bring up. And I, I'll say I ran into that myself because I was so excited when my son was born. The fact that I had astrology at a, as a tool, but I wasn't a student yet. I just 
it was just part of something that I was very interested in. And it was a tool that I had used in partnership with astrologers. So I hadn't really been using it for myself yet. I had basically just started looking at um, the nodes at the time, but I really trusted it. And so I wanted to get insight as soon as I could. And I was even looking to get some insight before he was ever born, because there were certain things that I knew we could already determine. (laughs) And the astrologer that I was speaking with was very good about setting boundaries and really just um, giving me just a few key things about, you know, what some of the things might be about his personality and interests, but making sure to encourage me to just get to know him for a while. Right. And um, I will say later on, you know, when challenges arose, I leaned more into looking at, okay, so when is this going to be over? Or how long can I be expecting to work with this? And it was helpful in that regard um, because it gave me a a time frame to just kind of gear up for, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, our kids that are growing up in this time right now, they're working with some pretty challenging transits, mm-hmm. right? So, what would you say about that? That I, you know knowing that our children are going through a tough transit. How do yeah, we well, I mean, this is my working theory as far as I've seen, and I'm always open to like kind of re- revising it, but it's as though like the karmic operating program for a lot of people doesn't get fully operational or fully on board until you're a little bit older. So I'm actually, I actually don't worry too much. Now this is not, it's, it's a rule of thumb. It's there's exceptions to it, but I'm not always that worried about the big, the big, like powerful transits that um, come when the kids are really little. Because very rarely have I seen that those big transits that might be life, like major milestones in the biography of your life when you're in your 30s, when you're five, are often things that are happening around you that may have a peripheral impact, but they're not the gut punches that they feel like when you're 35 or 40 or whatever the, you know, like older, older in your life. So that's kind of one thing that I, I do take some solace in. like they're, they don't seem to impact kids as, let me give an example, right? So, well, like your, your, your son's chart, we were talking about your son's uh, um, birth and he's got the Pluto transit coming up to his son, right? nine times out of 10, I'm going to see that Pluto transit going to his son in the ninth house and being like, he's going to start school or he's going to change schools or something, you know, it's going to have something, it's in the ninth house, right? So it's just something with his education is going to change and it's probably not going to affect him nearly as much as it's going to affect his parents and they're worrying about it or they're, they're choosing where to put him or whatever, but it'll probably just be something to do with his school. And it's not going to be a Pluto sun transit like it would be if you're in your twenties or thirties or later in life. Like it's, I gave you an example from my own children's chart. Um, my daughter had Uranus uh, square to her moon. Like that's kind of, that can be kind of a scary transit, right? Like it's, it can be very disturbing or disruptive um, to mothers and mothering and, you know, stuff like that. Well, when Uranus squared her moon, my wife's parents divorced. Right. So there was this kind of breakup in the family structure 
Um, and um, my wife decided to close the yoga studio to focus on being more of a mom. So there were these things happening around her that she didn't really understand that weren't devastating traumatic events at all. Um, they were very peaceful for the most part. And, um, you know, some things changed in the structure of the family that she noticed and had questions about. But when now, if I compare that to Uranus on the moon as an adult, when you see people in their 20s or 30s, 40s or 50s going through a Uranus moon transit, it, it, it's a transit that hits really hard emotionally. And um, it can be really good, obviously. But my, I guess my simple point is that you don't see those big transits impacting children usually in the same way that they do adults. Mm. I really appreciate that perspective. And I think it's really peace inducing for most parents. And I want to challenge it. Well, first. <laughs> no, there can be, there, there definitely, don't get me wrong. Like there can be like major life events that happen. I'm just saying for whatever reason, I've noticed a lot of the times with the kids charts that, cause I kind of started off anticipating that that would be the case with my clients. And then learning that a lot of the times it was things happening around the kids, but no, tell us, tell us what else it could be. Cause I, I'm sure you're totally right. Oh, well, first I just want to say that what you described about Pluto coming to my son's son is so right on for what's happening right now. It's a very, um, intense process that we're in because his father and I were, were divorced. And so we're coming at it from totally different angles and we're having to work to find a middle way for what we're going to do about his education and his health is involved in it as well. So there's just, it's a lot of emotion built into it right? and a lot of will so, you know, I'm seeing all of those Plutonian things. And so it was amazing that you brought that in. Um, but one of the things I've actually, again, found solace in as my son has gone through really difficult things like my, his dad and I divorcing or him being hospitalized um, a few months back with kidney failure and just Oh my gosh, you guys, he's really, well, you guys have really been through it then. You're, you're definitely the example, the, the exception to my, my rule of thumb. Gosh, sorry. Um, I mean, it, it's okay. It, it's okay because I, I have been able to, at least to a degree, um, work with astrology to bring in some higher perspective for you know, what is this about? What might his soul be trying to learn through this? What can my soul learn through this? What can we step into through mm -hmm. this as an opportunity as hard as it is? And I've said this before, I'm going to say it again, I don't mean it to sound as if it's going to be as if it, it's been easy by any means, or that I've been saintly about that, I, you know, I've had to have my own process with it. He's had you know, his own very hard times through that. But um, I, I just want to add for the parents that do have the transits really show up at their doorstep in a way that is very um, personal to their children that I would say there is a tool there as well that and, right. and I would love to know more from you, you know, what you think about that. Yeah, I mean, um yeah. And that's like exactly what I was saying. Like it, that's usually like your story is 
it definitely does happen. So it's good. It's a good counterpoint to bring up to what I was just saying to, to make sure that people don't worry too much because often those the transits that you learn to fear in astrology with the especially with the outer planets. Again, my, my main point is that oftentimes they can be more peripheral to children, but if they do hit really hard with a child's health, a child's family upbringing, abuse or trauma or divorce or whatever the case might be, um, you know, I, I, t I like to think that um, one of the things that I tell people is that we're the house, the house of the soul, you know, the, the, the temple of the body that houses the soul, if we want to put it like that, um, the mind, the psychology, it's incredibly resilient. And, um, I've learned, I mean, there's tragedies that happen, but I've learned that usually the souls that come through and experience a lot early on lead really special lives. You know, if they, if they can move through those things and if they have parents who are supportive enough to be reaching out to an astrologer to get some insight, to build their sense of faith and trust that this is a part of their destined path, which I think is one of the main things we can do for people is not necessarily to tell them how to make all of this go away, but just to say, this is part of the path. It's all good. It's okay. And if we do that, um, I just some of the most interesting and beautiful people that I've ever met are people who go through things at a really early age. So I try to reinforce that to my clients all the time. If their kids are going through things that are really heavy, which is like, just keep feeding, just like, you know, no matter what happens on any given day of our life, you have to eat, you have to drink water, you have to go to the bathroom, you know, that's a constant, no matter if it's a, if it's the worst day or the best day. So if there's some of those worst days as a child, as a kid, just make sure that you're still feeding them love, all of the virtues of spiritual life, compassion, peace, tolerance, patience, humility, kindness, feed them as much as you can. Even if you're on a down day, or even if the world around them shows them a lot of ugly things or scary things, just keep feeding them that. And if you keep feeding them that and just living through the transits, eventually, you know, they're, they're, they're going to blossom in ways that are just incredible because trauma is um, for the soul, for the eternal unborn undying soul that can't be hurt or harmed really by anything. That's what anyway, my favorite yogic text, the Bhagavad Gita teaches that if we surround our lives with uh, and adorn it with the virtues of spiritual life, those traumas for the soul are not bad. The soul doesn't look upon them as bad, but it has to grow to appreciate them. And it can't do that unless we just keep feeding it the virtues. So that's that's what I tell parents is like, okay, look, there is an end in sight. This transit gets over at this time. These are the kinds of themes to watch for. Maybe some of the ways that we could be careful about, um, you know, making it worse. It, you know, you can get into that conversation about how can we be good parents through a difficult transit or whatever. But I think the simplest advice is here's about how long it lasts. Here are the themes. And just don't start, you know, you got to give your kid oatmeal or pancakes for breakfast every morning. Just give them love, peace, patience, kindness, and compassion every single day. Don't ever stop. And then this stuff turns into the stuff of incredible character as they, as they age. Mm, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Thank you. I just, I know I've said this before, but I just love how much soul you bring to your astrology and this platform is no different than that i mean i think more than anywhere almost is where we got to bring the most soul and heart when we're um 
talking about our children. So thank you for that reminder and for framing it in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, my partner, Gemini Brett, was just a wonderful astrologer as well. He's made sure to emphasize this for me as well, that the tough transits early on in life are gonna, they're gonna make him who he is and they're, they're building him into the amazing being that he came here to be. And it is really comforting to lean on that. And I have an Aries moon, so I have to add this, but as parents, if we are going through, you know, if our child is going through a tough transit or anything, my little piece of advice would be, you know, if you know you're gearing up for like a long-term thing, just, you know, make sure you give that back to yourself as well. Yeah. Feed yourself the love and the compassion and, and you know, along with the smoothie you have in the morning. Or the <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> you, you have to reinforce yourself as well so that you can reinforce your child. And I think that's really like central as well. I have to say on just a little side note that one thing here is that you know, he's going to grow up with the experience of having that mama bear mother. You know, he's got, he's born Scorpio rising with Mars in the sign of the moon and his mother has the moon in the sign of Mars. So just that, that sense of you knowing that you were there all along advocating for him, loving him, being a devoted mystic and spiritualist and all of those things, even if what I would say if you were my client is even if you lose some battles for what you think is best for him, what he'll take more than anything is seeing that you cared and that you you sort of fought for what you thought was best and that you trusted when not everything, you couldn't get, you couldn't win every battle, but that you trusted the ones that you couldn't win that, that, they, that he'd be okay. And if he sees that, then, you know, there's, there's just this really nice harmony that's going to take place between the moon and moon and Mars between the two of you. Mm. Oh, thank you. I needed that. Yeah. <laughs> so to summarize all this amazing, um, this amazing episode that you've provided us with as a parent, if you're excited to look at your child's chart, go to the sun moon and rising um if you're well-versed enough to look at it yourself start there and maybe wait a little bit before you go there adam waited a year you know feel into what's right for you but just get to know your child intuitively through experience before you go to the chart Um, you'll be able to see the personality through the sun the environment through the moon. Um, oh, I'm sorry, the personality through the rising, uh, the life path through the sun. And um, there's a lot of places where you could get the chart for free. So if you're wondering where you could get um, a chart done, if you're not ready to go in, to an astrologer, but you've been studying it on your own, you could go to astrocharts.com or astro.com. A lot of people love them both. Um, If, again, you're well-versed in astrology, make sure you're not weaponizing anything that you find in the chart. Don't get bogged down in all of what you find and don't use it against um, your child if you're, like, coming up against (laughs) battles of will or tough times. There's a great story. Can I share a quick story? Yes. 
Okay. So my daughter's in preschool and they had to pick a word that was going to be their word for the year. And she picked run. And the teacher said, they had to ask, you know, they had to explain. So why did you pick your word? And she said, because I'm part horse. And the teacher was like, okay, that's that. Wow. That's really cool. You know, what he didn't understand is that I, I jokingly with my daughter, because she's a Sagittarius, tell her that she's part horse. <laughs> so she's in there picking a word because she has found a really fun way to associate with her Sagittarian nature. And I find that that's, if you're going to use the astrological language around your children, do it in ways that help them discover elements of themselves in terms of the symbols that are really fun and that they can really connect with in a joyful way. So like my daughter now, you know, she, she feels like she's part horse in the best way possible. Seriously. Amazing. Yeah. That's such a great story. I've shared this on the podcast before, but my son is in a Mars perfection this year. And so we've shared that about him a little bit. Um, and he's loved like leaning into learning about Mars and seeing Mars out in the sky. And now he will every now and then when he hears us say Mars, he'll say, I'm little Marsy. <laughs> like, you know, it's just fun to find ways that they can connect to it and relate to it in a way that doesn't lock them in or scare them or any of, you know, any right. of the pitfalls. Um, and the last thing that I noted in my little summary was just to make sure you're steering away from prediction especially in the beginning. Yeah. So I just have a follow-up question. Um, do you have like some general age brackets that you have like certain recommendations for like for the sun, moon rising? Um, how, what age bracket should we kind of just focus on that? I feel like zero to, you know, zero to 10, zero to 12 for the sun, moon rising is like a really nice, like I always say like, you know, if I tell my students like, this should be the kind of thing that could be given as a gift at a baby shower and could be delivered in a way that makes parents feel really happy and excited about being a parent. Like, and that should be your goal for little, little babies or, you know, zero to three or something like that. If you go beyond that, then I think you can expand a little bit into maybe talking about some of the challenges a little bit more than you would in the beginning where you're just giving this kind of upbeat, optimistic profile that could be helpful. And you can go into some of the more, some of the challenges could come out a little bit more if they're getting more like five to 10 or five to 12. Um, and teenage, I, I prefer that the teenager do it of their own accord with their parents' permission because that relationship dynamic can get more contentious and I don't want to see astrology being used secretly by a, a parent toward a child because that can really, that can make a person become averse to the spiritual language of astrology itself. So that's, those are my general pieces of advice that I give my students. Okay. And I guess this will be my last question. What is the, what is the age that you're comfortable having like a solo reading with a child or a young adult i like to go above three no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> yeah um I, I would say um probably like 14 onward something like that and i feel like um because i was a youth pastor before i i kind of went down this like 
kind of like sort of universalizing my spiritual path and getting into like yoga and astrology and so many other things. But I was a Christian youth minister. And I also, for all of my twenties, um, I worked with at risk youth and after school programs and stuff like that. And so I have a really easy rapport. I, I've always been pretty good with kids in that age range. So I feel really comfortable with like teenagers talking with teenagers, um, so that, that part feels fine to me, but I, I tell people like, if you don't have that rapport with teenagers, you know, you should, you should build it first with some teenagers that are friends of your friends or something like that. Just because you don't, what you don't want to do is get in with a teenager who's really eager to hear about astrology. And then it's like, if, if you have trouble connecting with teenagers, like that could really, it can really, in my experience anyway, if I've seen with students and so forth, they can turn teenagers off. Um, they're, they're judging whether they like astrology or not as much as they are. They may say, I'm really, really interested in astrology, but if they get a crappy reading, they might turn that off really quick. So it's important to know if you have rapport with teenagers or not, in my experience, and build a little bit before you get into it with people that you know, or kids that you kind of, oh, my, my, my girlfriend's kid is 14. Maybe I could work with him a little bit. And, you know, someplace where you can build that if you don't have it. Hmm. So that's a great note for you professional astrologers out there or professional astrology um, aficionados who are looking at charts and you're starting to do readings. Um, thank you for offering that as well. You, you're such a rich resource for this topic. I'm so grateful for that. Um, Ajuta, where can people find you if they want to keep in touch or keep learning from you? Right. Um well, thank you. Thank you for, you know, having me here today. This was really fun. And um, you can check out my my website is nightlightastrology.com. Um, and I have a YouTube channel, uh, Nightlight Astrology, and that's where I, I produce content five days a week. So that's year round. And so I'm always talking astrology. And um, I have classes that I teach on Hellenistic astrology and, and readings that I offer. Um, though I am... Um, I'm, I'm taking a sabbatical from um, readings in 2022 and I'm, I'm scheduled out right now to until November of next year. So I have like just maybe 30 or 40 slots left until I'm closing down my reading practice for a year to work on some creative projects. So I'm just taking a little break after 10 years of doing it. Um, but that's just to say that if people were to hear this and then go and then not be able to book a reading, um, that's why. And, um, that those, those readings. So my reading schedule is sort of limited. Um, probably that'll fill up in the next month or so. Thank you. Thank you for showing up and bringing the heart and soul and expertise, um, that you've cultivated through your practice. I just want to leave everybody with just a reminder, if you haven't gotten the 2021 guidebook, it's totally free. We curate it from our conversations with some of our favorite astrologers on shows like this. And um, it just showcases some of the key energies that are at play this year, some practical tools that we can work with throughout. And I love having it as like a time travel piece that I come back to once I've been through the year for a while. We featured um, Achuta last year in, in our 2020 um, guidebook and, and his advice was crucial. Um, Achuta, I know you have to go, so I'm gonna close up here. Thank you everybody for tuning in and um, aloha. We'll be in touch next week. Thank you.